I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. SEC Media Days this week, ACC Media Days next week. We are going to talk a little bit of college football with Dan Wilkin from USA Today. But I am curious because I know Dan also covers uh, the sport of tennis for USA Today. If we didn't actually see the passing of the torch from Novak Djokovic to Carlos Alcaraz yesterday. Sir, what do you think? I think we saw it in the sense that the new era is coming. The new era is here. It was sort of a torch passing. I don't think that means Novak is not going to win anymore. He's sure. still very capable, and Alcaraz is still young. And so the next time they play, hey, maybe at the U.S. Open, it'll go a different way. Uh, but Novak's 36 years old. He's going to be 37 before the French Open next year. His time is limited. We know that. It's it's obvious. He's still in great shape. He still looks good. But you, you are at the point now, just from an age standpoint, where you start falling off the cliff a little bit. And so – there is a shift happening. It was always going to happen. I've been watching Alcaraz for, you know, for a couple, three years now, and it was very obvious this is what he was going to be. This was his destiny, and now it's here. And it's exciting to watch happen in real time because it was, it was always going to happen. And in some ways, it's, it's, it's incredible credit to Djokovic. He's hung on this long. Dan Wolken is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Uh, there are a couple of things about yesterday's match watching that I really found fascinating. First of all, I really thought Djokovic had the match into the second set. He was dominant in the first set where uh, Alcaraz was making a lot of errors and he looked like his decision-making was not on top of it. Uh, but also I thought Djokovic maybe let him off the hook in the second set. Uh, maybe even in that tie break. And from that point, I thought he lost control. Djokovic was kind of playing to the crowd more. He looked a lot more relaxed. And once he lost the second set, I felt like that went away. Yeah, he missed a couple backhands in the tiebreaker in the second set that if he makes those shots, he probably wins the match. But that's the way tennis goes. It's, it's such small margins. And even Novak recognized that in his postgame speech, you know, he, in the 2019 final, he's playing Roger Federer. He's down match point. Federer hits a serve that, uh, you know, clips the top of the tape by, you know, uh, whatever fraction of an inch. And it's, it's probably going to be an ace and it's game set match. He doesn't win that Wimbledon. That, that's tennis. Um, it's always comes down to a handful of points and your ability to execute. And the thing is, a lot of times Djokovic doesn't feel under pressure because of who he's playing. He felt under pressure yesterday because of who he was playing, and that's the biggest difference. So you mentioned Roger Federer, and this is the second thing I wanted to ask you about this, is that Novak was not the crowd favorite, in spite of the fact that I believe a win would have equaled Roger Federer's career record for Wimbledon titles uh, on the men's side. Uh, Novak has not yet been able to really capture the hearts of the crowds is there still it's still Roger's court? Is that is that fair to say that he's not Roger, therefore he can't be their favorite? 
Oh, he's never going to be Roger. And we've seen that over the years, the way people react to him. It's, it's, it's not the same. Now, I remember in 2021, he was going for the calendar Grand Slam in New York. The crowd was totally behind him. They wanted to see him do it. Uh, and it meant a lot to him, if you remember back the way yep. he reacted, his emotional, um, just whatever he was feeling as that was unfolding, it was very different. And he's always sort of craved that love from the crowd. And you know, maybe as you get to the end of his career where Alcaraz is clearly the guy and he's the one who's chasing a little bit, trying to just squeeze more Grand Slam titles out of whatever he's got left in his body, that that may flip on him and he becomes a little bit more of a sentimental favorite. But a lot of what has plagued Novak in his relationship with the crowd, he's kind of brought on himself over the years. Um, it's not his fault that he was just the third guy where Federer and, and Nadal already had their established fan bases by the time Novak started winning a lot. Uh, but some of it is also just self-inflicted and some of the weird things he's done and said and sometimes the way he acts on the court when things don't go his way. But we'll see. He's got probably a couple more years left, and I do think people should appreciate him while he's still around because he's he's certainly had an unbelievable career. Yeah, he has, and frankly, he's still one of the best two players probably on earth right now. Dan Wolkin is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. All right, let me ask you about two college football things as we get ready for uh, the the information, the preview season to begin, and the SEC is first up. So I'll start with Tennessee. Uh, over 200 violations, 18 of those level one uh, under head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Were you surprised that the most harsh punishment was really the $8 million fine levied on the volunteers' Uh, football program, and there were some scholarship reductions, but a lot of those is already time served, uh, and there was no postseason ban. I'm not surprised because this is not the first time we've seen it. It's a new era over there in Indianapolis. They are clearly making an effort to not penalize the current student-athletes who had nothing to do with whatever violations occurred you know, three, four, five years right. ago. Um, you know, some, some people would say that's a good thing, and I can certainly make that case. I think you could also say, okay, well, if it doesn't affect things like postseason bans or whatever, why would anyone follow the rules? And I can see that side of it as well. So this is the problem with being the NCAA right now. Yeah. I don't think they can ever win or satisfy everybody on, on any side of these situations, and, and so they're – they're the whipping boy. They, they're going to get the abuse from, from all sides, no matter how it turns out. But, look, right now, this is a consistent decision with several of the rulings that have come out over the last, I don't know, year and a half, and that's just the way it is now because that's what the schools want, and the schools are the NCAA. Right. They're the ones who make those policies, and this is just kind of where the pendulum has swung over the last couple of years. Look, I'm, I'm of the mind that the nature of the violations, I understand that the coaches are not allowed to uh, actually pay the players themselves. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to money, I don't care. I mean, it just I, it, I have a hard time being moved uh, negatively if a player is getting money from the school, from the coach. Uh, because I've always thought that they have deserved it. Let me go to Northwestern. Uh, your thoughts on what we saw there, because it had, I mean, look, it was uh, a strange set of circumstances that have to go from uh, a two-game paid summer vacation 
to a firing of the most popular player and best coach in program history uh, in the span of two days with no new information. Well, I think we should all be able to agree at this point that the things that were alleged happened. I think there's enough corroboration based on what people have reported and based on what the investigative law firm that Northwestern hired found that we know maybe not everything in exact uh, specificity, but there was a, some, some stuff going on in the Northwestern program from a hazing standpoint that should not have been happening in, in 2023. Now, the question is, what did Pat Fitzgerald know? What did he encourage? What did he wink his eye at? There's very clearly different interpretations of that and, and a lack of evidence on that. But I would also argue that when you're the head coach at some place for 17 years, when you're a legendary former player at that program, you are the culture. The culture is you. You can't separate the two. Clearly, Pat Fitzgerald, if he did not know about these things, he should have known about yeah. them. Um, when you're Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern, I just believe you own everything that happens from the scores of the games to what goes on in the showers. It's all you. And um, I just find it, I find it personally a little hard to believe that, that he, oh, he just didn't know. I had coach for 17 years. That sounds crazy to me. Well, it sounds crazy to me too, and also he played. There was there, and if you go back and you read enough of the articles, like some of these things predated Fitzgerald in the program. So who knows? They probably uh, went on all the way back to when Pat Fitzgerald was a player at Northwestern. Or certainly you can you can. Uh, it wouldn't be that big of a stretch because we had things going on back to two thousand and one, based on what article one article. Uh, that I read. Dan Wolken, before we let you say goodbye, look, th- th- this to me, I've always thought that the number one priority for all of these universities, uh, other than making money from their perspective, is to make sure that the programs are, you know, really ha- have the best interest of the student athletes. I shouldn't even use that term. That's a gross term. Of the students, of the athletes in mind. And it didn't appear that Northwestern really did that. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Well, look, uh, I think... It's funny. I remember a couple of years ago I had a conversation with an athletic director, um, and one of the things we talked about was how in this day and age, one of the most difficult parts of the job is trying to separate fact from fiction when it comes to allegations of impropriety within the program or, or abuse, you know, emotional abuse, whatever these, these kinds of things come up because they come up a lot. And most of the time, we don't hear about them, right? And um, sometimes they can't even be substantiated. Sometimes it's just false. Like, if you're an athletic director, you're getting a lot of these kinds of complaints. And I do sympathize with people who have to try to make heads or tails of it because, you know, you can't just fire a coach every time somebody comes in and says, I was mistreated. That's not the way it works. Um, you know, I think Northwestern tried to do things by the book, 
But once it comes to you have the information, what do you do with it? Well, then it becomes more complicated. Then it becomes political. There's there's donors involved. You know, Northwestern's got a guy named Pat Ryan who's given you know tens or hundreds of millions of dollars to the school, and uh, he loves Pat Fitzgerald, and he was going to put his name on the football stadium uh, that they're trying to build, and all this stuff. It it, it becomes hard to, to figure out whose interests you're serving, and that's why I said in my column last week, you need a players union to sort of ferret a lot of this out and figure out what, what is, um, you know, what, what's proper and what isn't and just take some of the coach, take the coaches out of it. Because to me, that only makes it impossible to really adjudicate. All right. Final thing uh, for Dan Wolken. I appreciate your time at Dan Wolken on Twitter, USA Today columnist. Uh, Give me one, uh, one thing you are fascinated by heading into this college football season. Um, you know, I'm fascinated by, uh, of course, whether this is going to be Alabama coming back and um, taking the crown uh, away from Georgia or Georgia putting their stamp as, as the dominant program in the SEC. And if it happens three years in a row, what does that mean for Alabama? What does it mean for Nick Saban uh, being over 70 years old now? I, I think it's a pretty key season in that entire dynamic, and and certainly um, it's hard to bet against Georgia given what they've done the last two years and what they've got coming through their program from a talent standpoint. They're they're the best roster. Um, But, you know, but Alabama's not just just going away either. But if if they can't beat Georgia, they can't win the SEC, what does that mean? It, it, it means that we're headed for a three-peat. Dan Wolken, uh, columnist, covers college football, covers tennis, uh, just writes about good stuff. At Dan Wolken on Twitter. I appreciate it, man. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Dan Wolken here on the Adam Gold Show. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at the designery.com.